This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Wongal people and the Yagara Turrbal peoples. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Strap in. Buckle up. It's story time, folks. This is Australiana Rama. Morning. This episode has some swear words and some spooky lights. <laughs> oh. Strap in. <laughs> All right. Uh, hello. 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 How are we? I'm pretty good, mate. Yeah. Pretty mm-hmm. stoked. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've been saying we're going to do this topic for a couple of weeks now. So I know. I think it's it's time. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Some work things uh, prevented that from happening, but that's okay. I blame yeah. Surface Paradise. I was that's, recording I there last that's time. Absolutely fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a spooky, spooky time. Yeah. Yeah. This is a fun one. Mm. Yeah. A mysterious tale. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, Maddie did a thing with her arms. Yeah. Just don't for worry me. about it. It's okay. Okay. So. Today we're going to talk about the Min-Min lights. Now, the Min-Min lights are a mysterious light phenomenon that occur in Channel Country in outback Queensland. Mm, so where whereabouts? Channel Country. Where's that? Uh, that is uh, basically like uh, Simpson, de- like on the edge of the Simpson Desert, so mm-hmm. not quite Northern Territory, so west, southwest. Queensland, like as west okay. as you can go, mm-hmm. and going into the centre of Queensland. So, what's the terrain? Is it it's dry and flat? Is that what it we're... is desert? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, Channel Country is called Channel Country because it's a series of rivers and waterways that um, are attached to the Lake Air Basin, which is the okay. giant basin underneath. Queensland and also like a little bit of Northern Territory in New South Wales, I think. But mm-hmm. the water runs down south into Murray-Darling and all of that eventually. But like Batuta, Baduri, Birdsville mm-hmm. and Bullia, which is the important place that we will get to in this tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very beautiful part of the world. If you haven't been, I recommend. So the Min Min Lights are described as floating lights slash orbs. Sometimes there's one, sometimes there's two, and they glow at night, usually following travellers in this area of mostly Queensland, but also there have been reports in the Northern Territory and parts of Western Australia, like in the Kimberleys as well. But this is like Channel Country is peak Min Min country and there's even a highway called the Min Min Highway because of this. Mm, that's what I was going to ask. Is Min Min a place or is it just the name of the phenomena? Yeah, so it was actually a place. So it was a township that was on the way to Bullia. So it was between Cloncurry and Bullia, but it no longer exists. The hotel that was there burnt down in 1924. Okay. And there are stories about that site being haunted because people – died in the fire and stuff like mm. that. Like it was one of those pub fires that was a bit mysterious. There were quite a few actually in that part of Queensland in that period of time 
um, because fire regulations weren't a thing and they mm. were in the desert. Yeah. So it'll yeah. happen. But the lights are named after that township and the name of that township, it's a little uncertain as to where that name came from. But mm. the popular belief is that it is probably a bastardization of an Indigenous term yeah. from the area. Often is the case. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's all of these tales about these lights kind of following travellers at night. Um, there's also... It is a popular belief that they have potential, like sightings have potentially become more common since colonization mm. as well. So this tale dates back to pre-colonization um, and still exists to this day. But there is kind of a folklore around, you know, the lights potentially following people who are new to the area. Hmm more than locals but locals also have stories as well and we will go through some of those a bit later great Mm -hmm. and then there's also this added level of fear where there's kind of this legend that you know anyone who kind of turns around to chase the lights or tries to like catch them will never return Mm. to tell the tale yeah Pretty interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, stories about the lights um, have existed before European settlement and have been found in um, Indigenous oral history and folklore. Um, And that's cool because, like, if it was post colonialism, yeah, then it could just be, you know, it is just someone with its headlights or it's a local long-standing tradition with your torches to scare Mm -hmm. away the tourists but it's just like Mm -hmm. no as soon as there's like an oral history and it predates it's like oh that's real there'll be some sort of naturally occurring phenomenon yeah know about yeah and there are theories around how and why it's all pretty interesting and so it's there's even like recorded histories um from quite a while ago as well so the the dubbo Liberal and Macquarie advocate reported on August 28th, 1947, the theory. Um, And this is a quote from this article, which I dug up. So scientists have watched it and come away baffled beyond proving that it's not one of the ordinary will-o'-wisp lights which dance over marshy land. For this ghost light or min-min moves about over hard rocky country, rough like English will-o'-wisps, it haunts a graveyard too. In the old rough days, the hotel at min-min was famed for its boardiness and its gut-rotting drink. So it was the hotel was known for being a pretty violent place gut rotting is yeah yeah like you can talk to the locals and bully her about it and they're like oh yes we all have a tale about you know <laughs> grandfather so and so or yeah um and the article continues many a shearer with a big check drank himself to death at the infamous hotel or was killed in a drunken drawl or was murdered <laughs> for his money drunken brawl oh what did i say drunken drawl great which was cool too i stand by it mm. The corpses were tossed into the backyard where mine host had to provide a private cemetery for the many of his customers who received preferential treatment. 
Wow. It's the ghost light of Min Min, an uneasy soul looking for mine host to settle old scores, or is it perhaps a thirsty soul looking for another swig of the fiery poison which gave it a prepaid passage to death? Okay. Yeah. 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 So that's quite a bit of uh, – that's some f- – flowery writing there quite dramatic i'm sure some of it's a bit of an exaggeration Mm. like you know maybe one or two people died at this hotel yeah (laughs) (laughs) they made it sound like they were just yeeting corpses on a weekly basis Mm. Uh, but it it was known to be an area of violence and then it did burn down and it's and it's around this area that yeah first like white european settlers learn about this story of the min min lights and start seeing them themselves Mm. Yeah, and as I mentioned, yeah, the Min Min Hotel burnt down in 1924. Mm. So these days the peak area to find out about the lights is Bullia. Mm-hmm. Bullia is one of my favourite towns. To Do they say. have a camel race or is that birds? That is them. So they both, so they both have one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, so Bullia, um, as of the 2016 census, had 301 people living there it is in channel country as mentioned there is a river that runs through the town it's often dry throughout the year it is a very dry red dusty area to the point where there is a crater on planet mars specifically named after the town Mm, there you go yeah because there's also a lot of um like a lot of space uh, exploration and observation happens in this part of of the world as well Mm. because there's no light pollution yeah. So, yeah, Outback Queensland is actually quite renowned for that, which is pretty cool. Mm. Yeah. Um, beef is the main thing, but also the camel races. So there is an annual camel race. It was cancelled for COVID, which was a shame, but it did come back. And, yeah, they race camels, which is pretty cool. And mm. people flock from around all around kind of Queensland, New South Wales, South Australia, um, and Birdsville has a camel race as well. Mm. So some some people will kind of caravan, they'll go to the camel race and they'll also do the Big Red Bash out in Birdsville and then mm. they'll do like uh, the camel races in Bullia and they might even go to the Outback Festival in Winton as well. So, mm. yes, in my recent travels to Bullia, I came across many, many grey nomads from down south <laughs> who had gotten over before the border closures and basically were just living caravan park to caravan park mm. for months. Yeah. And some of them had tales of the Min Min lights. Oh. hmm hmm We'll get to those later. Excellent. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. So in Bullia, um, the, the Bullia Shire Council actually celebrates the Min Min Lights as a peak mm-hmm. attraction and they have a visitor centre and Min Min encounter Amazing, center. amazing. Yeah. Did you go? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a, you know, <laughs> business trip research. Mm. Yep. Um, and so like the signs going into town, it's always like home of the Min Min Lights and there's signs kind of along the Min Min Highway and stuff like that. But in the town, yeah, there's this centre and you go in and the they've recreated like the shop front of the Min Min Hotel and you walk through that and you walk through a series of animatronic 
scenes that tell you stories of Min Min sightings and then it ends where you like you go and into this room and you sit down on these chairs and the room like spins on this platform and you see all these dioramas and videos and things. I bloody love a diorama. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, Julia from Bullia, who Mm -hmm. is part of the council, (laughs) she's who we were working for when we went there, Uh, she was telling me all about how they're doing some renovations as we speak. So we were Mm -hmm. actually there for the last week. They were open because they are revamping the center like that is how important it is for them it is their main tourist Mm. attraction in town and it does actually bring in revenue um, and it brings in visitors to the caravan park as well so it's a pretty big deal yeah so when they have revamped i will be going back out Mm. and watching it again 100 (laughs) yeah yeah which is exciting on their website they say it's it starts with like have you seen the light? Visit the Min Min encounter where you will meet eccentric, true blue Aussie characters such as Bluey, Mrs. McGreal, and more who will enthrall you with all their stories of the mysterious Min Min lights. So when we went, um, the lady who was working at the counter, like she kind of does a safety briefing and welcomes you and, you know, before you enter the hotel and she was like I've seen them I believe them here's my story my two sightings and she just describes the two times that she had she had seen the lights and the first time she saw them which is this trend was that um it was when she was first kind of moving out here and she was new Mm. to the area and the second time was uh she had to do a lot of travel for a previous job or her like her family was living elsewhere and there was one time where she was tired at night and was like nodding off a little bit and the min min lights supposedly appeared behind her um and she kind of credits them for keeping her awake Mm. on that journey and there's also stories like that as well like locals talking about how that has happened to them so rather than it being a scary thing like when you're a new person if you're a local they actually are potentially looking out for you Mm. and there are some stories of um, indigenous people in the area talking about how they have beliefs around like that it might be an ancestor or something kind of um, guiding them on a journey cool yeah so there's lots of different theories but the locals truly believe in this phenomenon it's and, super wholesome like as far as yeah. like legends go yeah wholesome some lights following you yeah but a lot of people are really scared of them mm. too because well, so they don't know what they kind are of, it's kind of like you got to respect the lights mm. if you respect them they'll respect you yeah <laughs> that's kind it's of the, the same it's like like the bottom of the ocean or like space you don't yes. know enough about it to be rude. exactly so be scared for now yeah <laughs> yeah don't be rude <laughs> yeah and then as she's like she then she does this whole spiel about have any of you seen the in lights and I was like I wish I have but I haven't um and then we were there with a group of girls who were RFDS so Royal Flying Doctor Service nurses who were mm. out there um doing dental work so that annual dental visit and two of them said they had seen them the last time they came to town with a different group Cool. Yeah. So these were young women from outside of town and 
they were like, yeah, like this time we flew in, so we didn't see them, but last time we drove in and it was our first time to town and we saw them. That's cool. And the lady was like, well, first time to town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So as we mentioned, the Bullier Camel Races happen mm-hmm. every year. It's usually around July and they have a page about the Min Min Lights as well. Mm-hmm. Like even they're excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> and their copy is actually excellent and they mm-hmm. also have a few stories of sightings which I'm going to share with you. Amazing. So their website reads, Welcome to the land of the Min Min Light. Traveller, your path ahead beholds one of Australia's greatest unsolved supernatural mysteries. Cue the otherworldly background music. <laughs> Stunning. <laughs> yeah. According to folklore, the Min Min Lights sometimes follow or approach people and then disappear, sometimes very rapidly, only to reappear late later. And then they have a series of sightings that are just from like 2007 to 2019 alone. Mm. So this is from Paul and Jane Hodgkins in July 2018, and these are all submissions, so they're all in their own words. Last night, 4-7-2018, at Peak Creek, 60 kilometres north of Bullia, we looked out at the van at 9pm to find a large yellowish light, like a spotlight high and about twice the height of the surrounding trees. The light moved over a period, both up and down, left and right, coming closer than dropping below the tree line, where we could not see it until it moved left and right and it shone throughout the trees again. It eventually moved away until it disappeared at 9.30pm. Mm. A sighting by Marsha Paxton. I hope that she's related to Bill Paxton, who was in the film Twister, and maybe she's doing some storm chasing. Great name, Marsha. (laughs) So in July 2017, she writes, You wouldn't believe it. I'm finding it hard to believe myself. We were staying at Bullia Caravan Park, which is, I will tell you about the park, it's quite an eccentric place itself, (laughs) on 3rd of July 2017. I was woken by a very bad dream and got out of bed as I couldn't sleep. I decided to go outside. I had no idea what the time was, but later worked out it would have been approximately 5.30am. It was very still, very dark, a beautiful night, totally clear with thousands of stars out, mesmerising. I then noticed just above the trees to the northeast a very large, intense circle like a full moon, but a more white light. It wasn't the moon as it was only a half moon and high in the sky. I quickly ran out and got John out of bed. I assume that's her partner. (laughs) He wasn't at all happy to be woken at 5.35 a.m. However, when he saw the very bright glowing circle, we both agreed we had seen something very special. I didn't even know at the time what a Min Min looked like. It wasn't until after going to the visitor's centre today I saw other photos of Min Min's and my photo is exactly the same. I feel amazed that both John and I have seen a Min Min. I hope it is lucky and wonder why we were chosen to see it. Cute. That's yeah. nice, Marsha. Yeah, and so then I stayed in this caravan park while I was there and I kid you not, as we arrived, I'm driving my van up to the parking spot that we've been allocated and I couldn't park there because there was a pony and a donkey in my parking spot. So the caravan park has a resident pony, has a resident Mm -hmm. donkey, two cats, which I adopted for three evenings. They slept Mm -hmm. in my room Um, and they get visited by camels as well. Yeah, because there's a lot of of camels. Yeah. I saw 
so many camels and so many emus, more than uh, kangaroos actually mm. in this area. Yep. Yeah. So when we were at the caravan park, um, my colleague, she's very, very personable and like very lovely and makes friends very easily. And at one point I like heard her laughing a bit further down the park and I was like, Wes, why is she over there? And I went and had a look <laughs> and she had made friends with some grey nomads who had mm-hmm. made friends with some other grey nomads. And then, of course, they plastered us with white wine, mm-hmm. with ice cubes, of course, because yep. they're back. And we had a few drinks with them. And this one couple told us their Min Min light story. So mm-hmm. they're, like, sitting around drinking wine. I think the lads are drinking Bundy's. Mm-hmm. And they tell this story about how – because they, they do um, – supplies for truckies so they go out and supply them with fresh like um water and you know fuel and things like that but they have basically spent the entirety of covid living in this epic Mm. caravan but in their previous life they used to yeah meet truckies and give them supplies and they were talking about how there was this one evening it was the first time they'd come out to Bulia, and they're driving along the min min highway and they drove through a couple of stations and there were these two lights that they thought were headlights following them the entire way. Like they got closer mm. and closer but then kind of stayed the same distance behind them and they got to a closed cattle gate and as is customary, like if you stop to open a cattle gate, you'll often let the person behind you go through for you, especially if they're a big truck. Mm. So that's what they did. They opened the gate and like the husband was in the van and she was like at the gate waiting and waiting and waiting and they waited for about 10, 15 minutes and these lights never went through. Mm. And then they were like, okay, that's weird. So they closed, like they drove through, closed the gate behind them, started driving again and the lights followed through and went through the gate. And she said that happened another two times. That's cool. And it wasn't until they got to town and saw the Min Min Center that they had a name for it. And yeah, because they were terrified. They were just they just didn't know what it was. Spooky. Um, yeah. But now that they've done the trip like a few times, they're no longer scared of them. You know, mm. They're like, yep, the first time is scary. And then, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. It, like literally everywhere we went, we were bumping into people who had their own story so there are theories around how these lights may exist Mm. so i'm ready love this shit yep i don't know right (laughs) curtis roman who is a senior lecturer at charles darwin university has spent the last few years researching this and actually gathering um indigenous stories about the min min lights including in within his research Cool. So some of the quotes he has is like one of the theories is that they are a mirage caused by natural gases or warm air and cold air coming together because there are like you are driving over a basin, so Mm. it is not uncommon for, yeah, gas, you know, to kind of be exiting at a waterhole or something like that. Um, Another theory is that... You know, they could be bioluminescent insects or owls or birds, but that's probably like a less common 
accepted, commonly accepted theory. Mm. Uh, he said that a lot of the stories that he had obtained indicated that many of the reported sightings had been had taken place near bodies of water or where water was once known to have been. So we're driving over underground water and it's channel country, so there are rivers, but also and the like the caravan park is along the river. Mm. But also um this part of Australia is where the inland ocean used to be, like a million years mm-hmm. ago. So not even a million years ago actually, sorry, like you know, fifty thousand years ago. So the middle of Australia used to be covered by water and we know that because there are fossils mm. of sea creatures and um, shells and like you, sometimes you'll just come across a shell or something like that. And there's also certain parts of this channel country where it's not sand, it's pebbles, like it's pebbles that have clearly been in contact with water. So you can kind of cool. stand on the ground knowing that it used to be ocean, which is mm. really cool. Very and cool. so, yeah, so this theory around the lights potentially being around water. What did I say totally about the bottom sense. of the ocean being something right. to be yeah. give respect to? You know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, the middle of Australia is very cool because mm. used to be ocean, is now desert, means that it's like fossil city. Like we have mm. some of the most intact um, largest cross-sections of fossils in the world in outback Queensland, which is really cool. Very cool. Yeah. And then there's also, um, there's a, this is a quote from him. So there's a suggestion that the lights perform a guardian's role to check on sacred sites and perhaps to scare off people who aren't supposed to be there. So that's also a very common mm. thing that you hear when you go to town. Another person, so Australian polymath and neuroscientist, Professor John Pittigrew, says he's solved the mystery. <laughs> Good on you, mate. <laughs> yeah, and that he, like, um, even tried to create his own Min Min light. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Carl has actually collated a few stories here and he's spoken to Professor John and this is Dr. Carl's retelling of John's theory. Mm-hmm. Right. So he says they are real but distant lights are fire or bright headlights. So normally you can't see them because they're over the horizon and they're too faint. Mm. But this professor believes like he's proven that a layer of cold air sitting just above the ground between the distant light and the observer can trap light and so that and it means that the light bends Mm. yeah and like you know that that theory could potentially make sense like you are in a part of the world where you can almost see the curvature of the earth like that's how Mm. far you can see um but it doesn't explain the behavior Mm. of the lights if that makes sense but also when people are scared they can add behaviors to things that aren't necessarily happening Mm. but yeah so that's his theory that the light is just bending because there's you know classic desert cold night air is getting trapped Mm. or maybe there's more than one thing happening yeah yeah yes so he yeah he used geometry to kind of prove that you could potentially do that um yeah but also so in the Kimberley in Western Australia there have been some sightings um of what some Indigenous people believe to be the Min Min Lights Mm. as well so James Birch who is a Wyndham local and a Balangara ranger um says that he grew up hearing about these stories 
And he says, as a kid growing up, the old people used to tell me they, as in the Min Min Lights, were old people's spirits looking after country. If you've lived in the Kimberley, you would have experienced spotting Min Min Light once in your life. Um, he said he hasn't seen them for a few years, but had like had seen them before. Um, and he spoke about a time where we were driving, we were heading back into town after hunting. I was driving towards town when all of a sudden a Min Min Light appeared we all stared at the light and all of a sudden we were going in the opposite way going back into the bush and following the light without realizing so there's lots of stories with that happening as well like people being mesmerized by them and getting mm. lost there's a couple of stories in the visitor center where yeah people have followed them and then they've kind of woken up um you know the next morning being like i don't know where i am or They've gone missing for a couple of days or spooky. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, like most of the locals believe they are a thing and off, like often a lot of the locals believe it's a combination of the science mm. and the folklore, like that. Yes, there absolutely could be um, geometry involved or gases. There's also a theory because it's such a mineral rich area that there's kind of like a bioluminescent effect to do with minerals you know like aurora australis is a thing Mm. um that yeah when you are in a mineral rich area and cold air and gases are kind of combining in a way that could be mysterious you know but they also like a lot of people genuinely believe that there is this kind of spiritual quality to them as well and that it could be kind of a combination of the two you know one kind of using the other how fun yeah but I, I definitely believe that they're a thing either mm. way just because I've met so many people who come from extremely different walks of life. Yeah. I believe in them. And so many people who saw them didn't know anything about them and then went to Bulia and went, that's what I saw. Mm. Well, and I think because the, 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 the fact that there's a pre-colonial like oral history of it. Yeah, exactly. To, for me, says completely legitimate. Because then yeah. that's the same as like there being, you know, giant mammals that used to mm. live mm-hmm. here that there was always an oral history of, and then, and then people found have found the fossils yeah. and the skeletons and stuff. It's just All like, well, yeah. A friend of mine was telling me about how there was like oral histories around um, a belief around like pregnant women shouldn't be swimming around dugons, like swimming in the oceans where dugons mm. are. And then a few years ago they found out that dugons release some kind of toxin or hormone that is bad oh. for pregnancy. Like things like that have, you know, where, yeah, the science and the folk will have met and gone. Yeah, and like, like you used to be able totally to walk to Tasmania. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. I, so, yeah, I buy it. I reckon there are in there, 100%. <laughs> yeah. The first time I went to Bulia was when I was about 15 and we, someone had told us about the Min Min Lights before we got there because we had been working in Cloncurry and they were like, oh, Min Min Highway, look out. <laughs> and we were driving at night and we thought we saw them, um, but it was it was just a truck. Like there just is a road. Yeah. yeah, there is a road that runs perpendicular. So there's like two mm. roads that kind of go into Bulia. Um, <laughs> and like us teenagers were like, oh, happening um and then yeah that those were definitely headlights but the Mm. thing is like we could tell like we could we could so easily discern that it was Mm. like no no those are headlights 
and we just wanted it to be the Min Min Lights. Like, yeah. I feel like if you if you're looking to find them, they won't. You won't. Mm. Mm. <laughs> they find you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Love it. Mm-hmm. So my sources for today are ABC News, The Min Min Experience at Bullia, The Bullia Shire Council, The Grey Nomads at the Bullia Caravan Park, as well as the <laughs> RFTS. Stunning. <laughs> Wikipedia, Australian Geographic, Dr. Carl, and Bullia Camel Races. Amazing. Thank you so much. It's one of my favourite topics to talk about. I love it. It's really cool. It's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there is like a really dodgy Facebook site which has photos supposedly of them, but mm. it also started posting weird uh, alien videos that are definitely not yeah. real. So mm. I was like, mm, no, thank you. Maybe maybe not not quite as legitimate as the, you know, the centre in town. It also like, has, have you ever tried to take a picture of the moon? Like, yeah, I have. Terrible. <laughs> when there was an eclipse, it's like, why? Don't bother. Yeah, that's yeah. just the blob. It's not what it wants. Um, cool. Great. Well, next week my topic is about a man named Quang Tart. There's a bust mm-hmm. of him in Ashfield in Sydney, which is where I live. He was a businessman and a socialite and a Chinese-Australian man in the 19th century, so late 1800s. Amazing. To the turn of the century. Very interesting. And, like, his name's on buildings as a bust. I had no idea about him and now I know more and soon you will know more. I'm excited for Next that week. One. It's really cool. Mm. Um, yeah, so follow us on Instagram, Australianorama, and tell us if you've seen the Min Min Lights. Oh, my gosh. If any of you have seen the Min Min Lights, please message us. Yeah, no you can joke. also send us an email at Australianorama or to australianorama at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, if you know any grey nomads that have potentially seen them Mm. ask them yeah you know check in well safe travels and to you see you (laughs) next week (laughs) oh